Welcome to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that is different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We are also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. We believe well-designed employee benefit programs enhance people's lives. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host and biking business partner, Al McDonald. Al, what do you say? You getting out on the bike this weekend or what? Well, I sure hope so. It's supposed to be a nice weekend and uh, it has not been great weather lately. So I'm looking forward to hopefully being able to get back on the road and spend some time in the saddle. Well, Al, as you know, we've talked about it before. It's so important to have those outlets, especially as entrepreneurs and business owners. There's a lot of stress that goes into that. And I know you've talked to me how good you feel after you get back from a bike exactly. ride. Exactly. Uh, you know, biking isn't your thing. Certainly there are other things. And we're going to chat about that a little bit today in our podcast. But let me do some introductions first. Our guests today are Zach Brown and Valentina DeCastries. I hope I pronounced that correctly. From virtual healthcare provider Dialogue. I really like this company and I'm going to get into why, but I've got to give a huge shout out to the Dialogue CEO and friend of Aria Benefits, Shadif Habib. So thank you, Shadif, for setting this up. I've had some wonderful conversations with him and uh, again, just a big fan of what his company is doing. So guys, we've spoken about this offline, but this is not the first time Dialogue's been on the podcast. In our first iteration of the show, we chatted with your team early on in the company's development. And I remember back then having the podcast and having my first conversation and being really intrigued about dialogue was doing back then. And especially with how the world has changed in the past year, I mean, now I'm really, really impressed. I mean, the dialogue platform has become so important to so many Canadians at this point. So I'm really glad you could join us. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank yeah, you. Good, good to have you both here. Well, why don't we start at the beginning, the obvious beginning. What or who is dialogue? I can walk us through that. So Dialogue is a, is a virtual care business. Essentially, we started, as you mentioned, really with, with our telemedicine platform about four, actually five years ago now, back in 2016. The idea really was started through one of our early investors, and it came about with uh, Diagram Ventures. And what we really were trying to, to see or what the founders at the time had, had explored was you know, there were a number of different solutions providing this type of virtual experience as it relates to care and healthcare in the United States, but there was no equivalent here in Canada. And obviously, you know, being in a country like Canada, we're very fortunate to have access to healthcare and at no cost, essentially. But there was still the underlying problem that sometimes there is a cost that's not monetary and that's time, right? Getting access when you need it is not necessarily something that's feasible. And obviously, over the years, this has continued to get worse and worse. Uh, so our three founders really got together back in 2016 and, and tried to you know, solutionize what is the best way for us to provide better care to Canadians. 
And at the time, what seemed, you know, to be the most impactful way to reach more Canadians was to go through employers, because both employers can benefit from having a healthy and productive workforce, as well as employees and members can then access care and be, you know, more appreciative and more recognizable to their employers. So obviously, very, very interesting to have started that way. And since then, the company has evolved quite a bit, which I hope we'll be able to get into from just that one access of telemedicine. It's such an interesting story. And I mean, the company has has evolved so quickly over such a short period of time, because I do remember my first conversations. And of course, during that first conversation, no one ever would have anticipated what would have happened. And I mean, obviously, that has just increased the importance of a company like yours, but I've spoken about it, I think on, on previous podcasts, but you know, the value of virtual healthcare from so many perspectives and, and just talking about from a personal perspective, when does something happen? When does, you know, you have an accident, it, it's the most inopportune times, right? And, you know, my wife, for example, goes to grab a dish and I said, let the dish go, but you, you know, she, it's instinct to grab that dish when you're washing it and, and it hit the granite and she cut her hand. And it wasn't that much of a cut, but we were unsure. Do you need stitches or what have you? So there you go. And again, instead of going to walk in, especially now, and the doctor, her doctor wasn't into the following week, hop on the platform. Doctor looks at it, says, nope, you're good. You don't need stitches, but you know, I do want you to get a prescription for antibiotics. Here's the prescription and and it's sent off to the pharmacy. I mean, fantastic, right? So bringing that care to Canadians and right up front and, and having the ease and that those barriers removed, I think is so incredibly important. And then from just speaking as a business owner perspective, you go back to, I'll call them the old days when you'd have an employee reach out to you and say, Hey, listen, I got to take a half day off or a full day off to go see the doctor. And, and I mean, now, especially with our, our team being remote and again, the current environment we're living in, what an ability, what a service to have for an employer where they can get quick access. And instead of that half day, maybe it's just 20 minutes and they're back at work and and productive and being a productive employee again. So really, really interesting. And again, it's why as a business owner, I'm a very big fan of your company. If you guys don't mind, I'd like to actually use this to talk about the topic of mental health, because again, I don't think there's been a time in my career over the last 25 years where I've had so many clients reach out to me with concerns around mental health to support plan members. So can you guys talk about how have the conversations around mental health evolved over not only the last year, but over the last couple of years? Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having us on, uh, Robin and Al. So, I mean, it's interesting. Valentina and I both joined the company in the early days where we were a, a single program company offering, you know, virtual primary care to employers. And, you know, there was always a, a mental health component to those conversations. But in the early days, it was really a small subset of our overall focus, which was telemedicine, primary care, virtual care, whatever you want to call it. And in 2017 and 2018, like employers were, were interested in hearing about this and talking about this. When I reflect on, on those times, it was difficult in some cases to get plan sponsors or employers to buy into two brand new paradigms and care delivery methods. So we were presenting, you know, virtual access to primary care. It might've been the first time they'd heard about it. They'd certainly never invested in it. And so it was already kind of perceived as in some cases a a risk for them to stick their neck out and invest in something brand new. So even though we began offering programs around virtual mental health care as early as like 2018, 
the general appetite was not as nearly as great as, as it is now because we're effectively asking client sponsors to invest in two brand new things for the first time. Over time, this has shifted tremendously. So not only have we evolved our programs in mental health, but just the general landscape has, has shifted to the point where it's it's really front and center in, in most of the conversations that we're having. You know, so especially the sort of third or fourth wave, depending on where you're sitting and many sort of touting mental health as being the real pandemic that requires our attention, coupled with the fact that the virtual primary care space has matured so much, it's easier for an employer plan sponsor to say, okay, well, virtual primary care is a no-brainer because the market is mature, that we're kind of further along on the adoption curve. I'm, I'm definitely doing that. Now, sort of the newer, more innovative product might be virtual mental health care services. So we've had a, a specialized, you know, virtual psychotherapy component add-on to our primary care. These programs are now offered standalone. So we're, we're not always necessarily just leading with primary care. Furthermore, at the end of last year, we actually acquired Optimal Global Health, the third largest employee assistance provider in Canada, and subsequently launched our own virtual EAP uh, at the beginning of 2020, which has just been a tremendous boon for us as an organization. And so we're now able to shift from just sort of talking about you know, one program, virtual primary care. I, I hope this fits with what you're looking for to now we have a sort of a menu of options covering all aspects of, of health and wellness. And, you know, we're really able to be a little more prescriptive and work with advisors and plan sponsors to ensure we have the right solution for, for employers. But in some, I mean, the general receptiveness and awareness and just appetite for mental health related programs is at its peak as far as we're concerned. And we, we see no signs of that slowing down. Yeah, Zach, you said a lot there, a lot of stuff. And I, and I want to unpack some of that because where you started with this was a couple of years ago, and it's been my experience as an employee benefits consultant as well. The challenge with especially when going into a new client, right? Convincing them to spend more money, right? You're finding new money. You know, if there's an existing plan and you can either get them a plan with more benefits for the same dollar or save them some money and find some money to implement plans like this, that was really what you had to do. And fast forward to where we are today. And I think you're right. This is primary care anyway, has become table stakes. And I think this mental health component that you've added is very quickly catching up. And, and I had a client in Toronto a tech firm reach out and it actually surprised me because I hadn't seen the numbers yet in terms of demographics and how people were being affected, but it was a very young demographic. And I was quite surprised when he reached out and I, and he said, we need something, we need to provide some mental health support. And then once I started doing my research and you realize, you know, all these young people who had moved to Toronto and, and living in these tiny condos, a big part of their social structure was work and going to work. And now that they've been removed from that and maybe they don't have a, a partner and they're living away from the parents for the first time, they're struggling, right? So I think having access and easy access to a platform like yours is incredibly important. And that client did move forward and put and put a, a platform in place, which, which we're, I was very happy about. And I think we're beginning to see that more and more. But you also touched on the value of the EAP. And for years, and I mean, I've been doing this for 25 years, for years, we've had conversations with clients where they were, you know, sometimes, to be honest, questioning the value of the AP. And that's one of the things the pandemic has done is brought forth the really true value of, of there definitely is value in an EAP. We see people accessing it. But I think companies like yours, where you have one door of entry to go in and you've got your primary care and you've got your virtual healthcare provider and you've got your EAP, that is a huge value proposition when you're going in to talk to a client in terms of, because what does a client want, right? There's two themes that I see. There's a war for talent out there. People are trying to attract the best possible talent. 
and making it really difficult for people to exit on the back end. So trying to keep those people. And then the other theme I see we were talking about today is mental health. So most employers we're talking to are dealing with all these things. So when you, when we can come to the table as consultants and bring a solution like you that are going to help employees feel more engaged, feel they have access to good care. I mean, that's incredibly important. And one of the things I counsel all my clients to do is look for things that you can communicate to your team. And, you know, when we set up a new client, we talk about right in that first meeting and creating that cadence of communication, right? Because a lot of employees feel that they don't know what's going on, especially now when we're remote. So especially with a platform like yours, there's so many opportunities to have those meetings with the employees, communicate the value there, communicate what they have access to. And we, we did actually one of those meetings recently and the COO reached back out to me and said, thank you so much because some conversations came out of that presentation that we weren't even aware of. So I think that's great. If I can just add one thing, Robin, if you don't mind, you know, one of the things we found is the communication extremely important. But, you know, there's generally, I think EAP has done a tremendous job of advancing the case of, you know, mental health in in corporate Canada over the last decades. But you talked about that younger demographic and and the ways in which they're used to engaging with services. I mean, I'm guilty of it too. I'm approaching 40 years old. I have my nose buried in my phone more more than I should. And so there was a time about six years ago where I I really required those services, but I didn't even know what an EAP was. When I joined Dialog, I'd never heard those three letters together. And, And that's not a reflection of my past employer, but more a reflection of just a general lack of awareness and how important it is to not only check the box on offering a program, whether it be primary care, mental health, EAP, whatever, but have a strong communication strategy alongside the consultant, the advisor to ensure that folks know about it and know how to access it. Yeah, for sure. So you guys are moving quick. I mean, four years ago, I mean, till now, I mean, in in introducing all these new platforms and and I think it's just cool to watch, but what's next for Dialogue? That's a great question. And and yes, we have been moving quite fast. And and one of the reasons for that is really there was a need in the market, right? So we started, as Zach said, with our virtual care platform, virtual primary care, but quickly realized the need for mental health. And that's where we evolved our and then started offering our mental health offering. And now fast forward a couple of months, we now have a third program available, which is our EAP. So the direction we are going is really leveraging that one-stop shop that we discussed about. And as you mentioned, Robin, there really, really is so much value to be derived from the fact that you're making it very simple for your employees to know where they can get care. And this is something we've heard time and time again by working with, whether it be the insurance carriers, our clients, and, and also our members, that a lot of plan sponsors will invest quite significantly in a menu of different benefits and a number of different resources. But when it actually comes down to the employee needing help, sometimes that can be overwhelming because A, they're kind of reaching out at a time where they need help and B, it's not super obvious, you know, should they be looking at this brochure or another brochure or, you know, where should they be going? So we're really, really focusing on building out what we've called our integrated health platform. And as I mentioned, so today you, as an employer, you can choose to have one, two or three of the programs, but eventually this will become even, you know, a more fulsome menu where we'll continuously add new programs and from a member's perspective, it's pretty simple, you know, to, to see the benefits, but also from a plan sponsor, 
we're now reducing a lot of barriers, right? If you think about it, plan sponsors don't necessarily have time to manage or to, to negotiate or to enter into different contractual agreements with different providers for all of the well-being needs of their members. So we really want to become that trusted partner for our plan sponsors. And like I said, we started with primary care because it made sense. But where we're going now is more into the wellness space as well. So whereas our primary care is really taking more of a reactive approach, like you said it, you your wife cut her hand and oh, you go on the platform and you access it. We want to go more into how do we help members be healthy? How do we help them have a healthy lifestyle from the beginning so that we can avoid some of the more problematic cases, whether it be related to mental health or otherwise. So help our members have healthy lifestyles from, from the very beginning. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And again, I just love watching it unfold in front of me. And, and obviously I want to be involved with you guys, you know, but when you're talking about barriers and I've chatted about this on a previous podcast, unfortunately we had a suicide in our family. And this is going back, oh my gosh, 16 years, I think. And, you know, you have to wonder, and I mean, maybe, maybe something wouldn't have changed, but you have to wonder if that person had had access and you said it yourself, easy access where they could have reached out because, you know, I can't imagine what that person was going through at the time, but you have to wonder if they had access to something like this, would it have made a difference? So I'm a big believer in platforms like this, especially, and, and you're right, it started with primary care. And, and I thought, wow, this is such a fantastic idea. And that has become table stakes now. But I think people are beginning to realize that the mental health and the wellness component and, and this total wellness of the entire person has become incredibly important. So again, big fan. I can't say it enough of, of what you're doing. And again, who knows if it would have made a difference, but unfortunately, you know, we deal with those things. Let's talk about the virtual care space because we're getting into it. It's evolved tremendously over the last couple of years. And in particular, as we know, over the last 12 months, how is dialogue positioned in the market and, and why are employers choosing you over some of the other options that exist? Yeah. So when I reflect back to the sort of the early days around the time that dialogue launched, there were a couple of other providers offering virtual care services and a couple of them, in fact, most, if not all of them still exist today in some way, shape or form. But the big difference was early on, all or most of those providers were focused on a direct-to-consumer B2C business where, you know, you, Robin, could pay, I don't know, 50, 100 bucks for a one-off consult, or you could subscribe for 50 bucks a month for you and your family. And, you know, we'd always been focused B2B from, from early days. So back then, it was really, a, you know, we had to convince advisors and employers, plan sponsors to buy into telemedicine. And then back then, it was like, okay, well, by the way, we're dialoguing, like, we're the ones that can bring that to life for you. That's changed a lot over the years. Everyone's shifted to B2B. And so it's really become a big differentiation game. And if we'd had this conversation a year ago, it would have been focused exclusively for the most part on primary care. So it's almost like needs to be separated into, well, how do we differentiate on the primary care? As you said, that's become more table stakes, but also just as a global offering, how does our organization's suite of programs compare to the other suites of programs? And in fact, having entered the EAP space, you can imagine the landscape of what we would consider to be a competitor has changed a little bit, as you can imagine. So I mean, on the primary care side, first, I'll say there, there are lots of providers providing good services in Canada. So I think that this is a, a buyer's market. I think like the consumers and employers and intermediaries are in a very good position because there's lots of, of good choice out there. You know, we've always taken a really high touch approach, whether it be for the patient or for the plan sponsor. So because of our roots in B2B and primarily working with employers who are looking to drive outcomes within the organization, 
you know, not just to check a box and offer like the lowest cost solution, just to say that they do. We're really looking for folks that want to, you know, work with us to ensure, as you said earlier, that that cadence of communication is in place, that employees are aware of how to access the services and that we're able to feedback insightful reporting and statistics about how the programs are utilized. And it could be something that like just being able to tell an employer, like what are the top three reasons why their, their employees are consulting? And then, you, you know, you as an advisor or benefits consultant are able to perhaps, you know, shape the overall total rewards offering at that, at that organization. So that's been our high touch approach to working with the payer or the employer, or the plan sponsor. On the primary care side, we've always focused on continuity of care. So we're not a transactional provider. There are some, some providers out there that are offering, you know, uh, access one-off to maybe an ER doctor that's that's moonlighting. And th- there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a different approach. For us, we provide access to a multidisciplinary team. You know, if for example, a new mother comes on the platform and is having trouble nursing, you know, we don't necessarily feel like an emergency room doctor is the right resource. Like we'd rather pair you with a nurse who's able to give you what you need. If you if you need a, a doctor, an NP or a mental health specialist, like we will always provide you access to that in a timely fashion. And beyond offering that multidisciplinary continuity of care. We're really focused on adding, you know, what are some of the services that we can add around the consult? Like talking to a healthcare practitioner on your phone is obviously like the, at the core of what we do, but it's it's pretty common. Everyone's doing it in some way, shape or form. What are some of the value-add services we can add around that? So if you consult on dialogue, like you always get a follow-up. If you consult on dialogue, we have a team of care managers that will navigate you. It's like, okay, well, Robin, you need a specialist. Like, let me help you find one. You need a lab. Let me help you find one. You know, you need to... God forbid, go to the ER. Let me help you find one that has the lowest wait times. And so these are a few of the things to consider. And then around EAP, I mean, the main you know positioning and differentiator as it relates to some of the legacy providers is we're offering our services virtually. And we're also providing service level agreements and response times that are unmatched. So with some of the legacy providers, like you might wait like days or in some case weeks to speak to a therapist. Like in our case, like we're offering access to a, a mental health specialist within about an hour and then an appointment wow, with a therapist, you know, within about a day, right? So to your point, like if someone is in crisis, like we want to get with them as soon as possible. And so last but not least, like in terms of positioning, I think what Valentina had just said around like that integrated health platform and being able to offer that one-stop shop, like we really want to simplify access for employers. We want to, excuse me, simplify access for employees and simplify administration for employers. And, and that's resonating really, really well in the market so far. So we're really excited for, uh, for the year ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. I mean, obviously, we're living through the pandemic. How has it affected your operations? How have you adapted to the new realities of work? You know, we're all remote or mostly remote now. For us, the pandemic, it's it's really interesting when I look back. And first of all, I have to say I'm still in 2020. It's like 2020. We haven't turned the year. But when I look back, it started a little early at Dialogue in the sense that back in January and February, a lot of our clients that had either international operations or even employees that were traveling quite a bit were turning to us to see what types of changes should they be making to their travel policy? What should they be telling their employees about working from home and how really can they adapt? So it's really at that point that we started seeing, okay, dialogue is is more than just a provider here. We're really positioned as, as being a thought leader as it relates to employee health and wellness. So we started getting very busy, if I may say, you know, very much early before we started seeing the rise of cases here in Canada. I always will remember March 10th was the date that we sent all our own employees home. 
never thought it would be something so permanent. We actually really believed that it was uh, two weeks at a time and we'd all be back up and running. But obviously, uh, COVID had different plans for us and, and it's now become more of a reality where we still have not gone back to the office. Obviously, we have employees here. I'm located in Montreal, so we have an office here. We have some in Toronto. We have some across Canada as well. And everyone's been working, you know, very well, to be honest, from their homes and their different environments. That being said, I think what's really kind of shook us all and and what really brought us together was really the demand we had to respond. So we didn't really have time to say, okay, here's our new way of adapting to remote work. We were kind of forced to just build the plane as we were flying it in some way as whether it was very small clients to large enterprise clients were, you know, ready to launch virtual care within 24 to 48 hours. So we had to change our onboarding to now accommodate 24-hour onboardings. We then had the reality of launching 2 million members actually through one of our carrier partners within four weeks. So that meant that obviously we had to go out and scale from an operations perspective and get all the different professionals that we work with, nurses, physicians, care coordinators, and so forth. And it's really impressive how even though, you know, we were all sitting in different locations, I think what really brought us together at the end of the day was our common values, which is something at Dialogue we really emphasize and kind of repeat and demonstrate and highlight when we live up to those values. And I have to say, one of our key values is we are one team. And that really came together where, you know, multiple people had to work together, collaborate to make sure that we can make our services available to as many Canadians as we could at a time where they needed it most. So most of that scaling up happened even, you know, in the early days from March all the way to to July. And after that, when we were launching new clients, it, it was it was quite impressive to see how much we had done. And throughout all this, I have to say our service levels didn't suffer. In fact, they even improved. So we were really to, able to give even better service to our clients. And I think that speaks to when you have a solid foundation which we had, you know, you're able to build and and to really kind of do that grandiose. And now as I look, I did say earlier, I, I can't believe we're in 2021. Now what the reality is for me managing a team, and I'm sure Zach will agree, is just making sure that we remain connected because this is more of a long term, right? It's not just a couple of months and you know the end is near. We don't necessarily know. We haven't necessarily messaged anything, right? We haven't given our employees any indication as to when we would return back to to normal, quote unquote, or back to work. So it's about making sure that everyone stays engaged, motivated, and, and really finds ways to disconnect as well, because it has forced us in a, in a different reality. So finding that balance. And as we head into summer, you know, one of the things I'll be emphasizing with the team is, even though we're pretty much stuck in Canada, it's still important to plan those vacations because just this mere fact of looking forward to something, I think has a really big impact on overall well-being. That's one of the things that we talked about recently in one of our meetings is there's this tendency of, well, I'm not going anywhere. So I just keep working and working and working. And And I even said this to my other business partner, Joe, he hadn't had time off since I think last December, maybe not even then. And I said, you need to take some time off. I know you're here. I know you're committed to working and growing the company, 
but you need to take some time off for your own mental health and your own physical health. And we actually laid that out to the entire team. We said, Hey, by July 1st, you have to have this amount of vacation used up by September. You have to have this, this much because it's so important to just get away from the company. I just want to touch on quickly before I know Al wants to jump in here, but you talked about something that's really important to me. And it's interesting. It's a theme that I see with successful firms and successful people that commitment to, you call them values. We call them guiding principles at our company. And very similar to you, we review those on a regular basis. And when we see them happening with it within our team, we recognize those in our weekly meetings. I'd called Debbie together in our meeting and, and Debbie had come to me prior to the team meeting because we have a daily huddle. And she demonstrated two of ours, which was improving the lives of our clients, which is our number one, by the way, and the wow experience, which is number six. So that everything leads to that wow experience. And again, it's my belief, and it sounds like it's your belief that if you have everyone committed to those guiding principles, and I mean, it just works out to everyone being aligned and rowing in the same direction, you're going to achieve success with that type of engagement and environment. So it's, uh, it's wonderful to hear that, uh, that we share that. And, and again, it is a common theme that we've, we've heard from other uh, people on this, uh, on this series. So I've been sitting back here really quiet, taking all this in, very impressed with what you guys are doing and especially impressed with your commitment to mental health. So that leads me to a question for the two of you. What do you do for your own mental health? What do you do when you're not working hard at the business? What do you do to keep your sanity in the midst of this pandemic that we've been going through now for over a year? Yeah, good question. A few things. Right now, we have actually a fitness challenge ongoing at Dialogue. So we're using Strava, we've got teams, and we're all running, biking, walking, swimming, rowing, whatever, together, and raising money for Centred, I think, which is the like Quebec uh, wing of United Way, if I'm not mistaken. And so that's really, really, really helped. I'm way more active because of it. So big shout out to our colleagues who are driving that. Otherwise, you know what, like, I'm a big believer in like talking openly about mental health, like I speak to like a mental health professional, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I get a lot out of it. It's like part of my routine and something that I, I deem really important. And I actually like speak openly about it with, with my colleagues. I have like a, a past history of, of like mental health and, and addiction struggle. And I'm happy to say I'm like five and a half years clean and sober. And, and throughout that journey, I've gone through a lot of ups and downs. But one of the things that's remained consistent is that like, for me personally, and it's, it's not one size fits all, but for me personally, like speaking openly, even just saying those words with like the three of you here now and whoever's listening is like a therapeutic experience for me, because also, you know, if there's even one person who's listening, who has maybe similar struggles and wants to talk to someone that's gone through it, like my door will always remain open. So talking openly, helping others and trying to just get outside and then spending time with my son. Like I've got a son who's uh, turning seven in the summer He's with me tonight, so I'll like, pick him up and we'll watch movies and maybe like after hours, uh, but otherwise we'll be outside like eating pizza in a park. Like These are the things that that really kind of fill me up. Yeah, they really keep me sane. And, and, I, and it also, I enjoy the work that I do. So, you know, working with good colleagues and building, you know, a good offering that's helping to, you know, advance the cause of wellness in Canada is, is, is also motivating on top of it, uh, everything. That's great. Valentina. Yeah, so similar to Zach, a couple of points he touched upon, like for me, it's all about a balance between like the three, like creating the triangle between, you know, what makes you feel accomplished, right? And that can be through work or other means and then building those relationships and then having good 
physical and mental well-being. So for me, it's just about always making that fit. So making sure that week to week, everything is sort of balanced. And that doesn't mean that some days will, you know, be more on the work side and less perhaps on, you know, relationships and family and all of that. But really at the end of the week, I'm satisfied that making sure I spent enough time in each of those. And specifically what it means for me from a health perspective, I've always, always made exercise a number one priority and so obviously this challenge I, I support it a hundred percent because I, I do love that you know we're promoting getting outside and, and we're encouraging our, our colleagues to do anything really but just remain active and the, the other thing is I always made it a priority to make it fit within my days I think some of the mistakes that people make is whether it be exercise or mindfulness exercises, whatever it is that just brings you to a zone where it's just you and yourself and, and maybe good music or a podcast or, or an audiobook, whatever it is, but it has to be fit into your agenda as if it's a meeting. And I really do believe that is super important. Now, the challenge I have is I am uh, nearing the end of a pregnancy, so I, I can move a bit less. Just takes me a bit longer to get to my five kilometers, but I still make it a priority. And the second piece is really around having a support system. I really believe in that, whether it be, you know, friends or family or, you know, or seeking external help, whatever it is that works for you. I know I have a partner who, uh, you know, he listens to the recount of my day almost daily. And that's very therapeutic for me. I think I like to believe it's become therapeutic for him and or entertaining, but it really, really does help. And, you know, with the pandemic, the other thing that I realized that I've done more often is plan phone calls. So whereas before it would always be gatherings often over food, right? Like you get together, you go for dinner, you go for drinks, or, you know, it's always around a, that type of activity. Now, you know, I'll plan a walk and a, a phone call. And so I'm connecting in different ways. And that's helped me in two ways, right? I'm getting that exercise, I'm getting outside, so the fresh air, and I'm connecting with people. So really finding like that, those three ways. And, and for me, you know, work is also a way to feel accomplished, which definitely helps, right? To, to feel that at the end of the day, I can be proud of what I've done. And, and that's, uh, they're all very much interlinked together. That's great. Thanks. I uh, really appreciate you guys both sharing some of those things. Yeah. It sounds like not only are you guys committed to it on the business side, but it sounds like you're actually walking your talk, no pun intended, on the personal side as well. And you know, just Valentina, just on a couple of things there that I love that you said, and I do as well, I schedule my workouts. They are in my CRM calendar and they happen no matter what I schedule time around that. I block it off because that's my number one priority in a day. I'm committed to that exercise. But number two, and, and what I recently did, and I love this idea too, was scheduling those phone calls with people that you want to stay in touch with, because I'm probably the same as you guys. I can go an entire week and be behind my screen here and on the computer and an entire week will go by and I won't talk to anybody and, and I won't make time. So I schedule those now. So I think that's so important. Guys, this has been a fantastic conversation. I loved our first chat when we were talking about coming on the podcast and it was so much fun and so engaging and I really like you both. And I, and I love the conversation. And I just want to thank you for joining us today because I think not only does dialogue have an amazing story, I, I think you guys too, and, and you both shared a lot about yourself. So I really appreciate it. So we'll wrap it up there. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at dialogue? 
For me, I mean, you can reach me on LinkedIn. My last name is Brown, B-R-O-W-N, or you can write me an email, Z-A-C-K at dialogue.co. Okay. Same for me and, and very easy email, valentina at dialogue.co. Very easy. All right, folks, that does it for another episode. As you can tell, I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leaves clues. I've said it before. It really does. And remember, it all starts with one. One.